Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.04 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 4th of March, 2021. Let's get right into it, man. Bonds, flashing old women in Central Park, manhunt ensues. I know, if you don't understand what I'm talking about. Uh, U.S. Treasury bonds are flashing inflation, just so you know, okay? That's why people are talking about the bond market. I had somebody ask me about that, and I'm, it's not like I'm a freaking professional, and know everything there is to know about treasury bonds. I'm, I'm, I'm learning like everybody else is. Okay. So, but one thing that I do know is that the bond yields <clears throat> are signaling that inflation is on the way, uh, it, much to the chagrin of everybody in Washington. So <clears throat> let's do it. Bitcoin hovers below 50 K as traders await the federal reserves take on bond yields. Uh, this is out of CoinDesk and it's written by Amkar Godbull. Bitcoin's recovery appears to have stalled as caution sets in ahead of expected comments from the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell later on Thursday, which, by the way, is today. The cryptocurrency is currently nursing losses below 50 grand, having bounced from 43,000 to 52,500 in the past four trading days, according to CoinDesk 20 data. A Q&A between Powell and the Wall Street Journal today will be closely watched by investors as it may influence risk sentiment in the financial markets and set the tone for the next big move in Bitcoin. Specifically, what Powell says about bond yields will be of interest, trader and analyst Alex Kruger told Coindesk. According to ING analysts, Comments that Powell is monitoring events in the Treasury market might be enough to calm things down and encourage a return to a softer dollar. That could bode well for Bitcoin and stocks. Both assets have mostly moved in the opposite direction to the dollar index over the past 12 months, as seen below. And they give a couple of charts demonstrating that visually. However, the rally in yields may accelerate, leading to a stronger dollar and weaker Bitcoin. If Powell downplays concerns over rising bond yields, taking cues from his European Central Bank counterparts, quote, no such concern from Powell would suggest the Fed is happy for Treasury yields to find the right level, as our bond strategy colleagues say, potentially triggering another spike in yields and more dollar short covering, ING analysts noted. At press time, Bitcoin is changing hands near $49,010, down 5% over 24 hours. The 10-year U.S. yield is seen at 1.46%, and the dollar index is hovering above 91, representing a 0.2% gain on the day. The 10-year yield surged to 12 months highs above 1.6% last week as traders priced in prospects of the of an early unwinding of stimulus by the Fed. As such, both stocks and Bitcoin face selling pressures 
with the latter falling 20%, the biggest single week decline in nearly 12 months. Both asset types have benefited from the Fed's massive stimulus delivered since the March 2020 crash. According to city analysts, markets are now pricing in an 80% chance of a 25 basis point Fed rate hike to 0.25%. Good God. By December of 2022, until a few weeks ago, the first interest rate hike was expected to happen in 2024. The dollar index has already broken out of a falling wedge pattern on the weekly chart, indicating an end-of-year long bearish trend and a reversal to the high side. A rising dollar is one of the bigger headwinds for Bitcoin's bullish trend, Kruger said. If the bullish pattern on the DXY is a guide, the market looks to be pricing in low odds of Powell taking or talking down yields and triggering another risk-on rally in stocks and Bitcoin. So take all that as, as however you're going to interpret it. But the, that's, everybody's talking about bonds right now because bonds are signaling weird shit, okay? Um, and who knows what the hell's going to happen once they release these, you know, the next round of, or this round of STEMI checks. You know, where's the money going to go? I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I just can't, I just don't see, I don't know, locking up, you know, uh, bonds at 10 years at a 1.46% yield. That's, I mean, that shit, banks used to pay better interest rates on savings and checking, or well, at least savings accounts 10 years ago. 15 years ago, it was awesome. 20 years ago, it was really good. Now, I mean, my God, it's just like, it's, everybody's in low yield rate land, I guess. Tim Draper handpicks Netflix as the next company to purchase Bitcoin. And Thonia Isichi is going to write this one for Crypto Potato. <clears throat> Popular venture capitalist and Bitcoin bull Timothy Tim Draper predicted that major online streaming platform Netflix could be next, uh, the next company to join the Bitcoin buying bandwagon. Speaking in a recent episode of the Unstoppable podcast, Tim Draper stated that Netflix could be the next in a line to add Bitcoin to its balance sheet. According to him, the company's co-founder and co-CEO, Reed Hastings, makes Netflix a likely Bitcoin investor. Draper buttressed his point, saying, quote, I think Reed Hastings is a very innovative guy and has a lot of creative thinking, and I think he still controls the reins in Netflix. And so I think that might be the next uh, big one to fall, end quote. Meanwhile, the venture capitalist mentioned social media, Facebook, uh, Facebook, as well as other major companies like Apple and Google as likely candidates to invest in Bitcoin. However, Draper noted that the companies were instead trying to create a centralized currency of their own. Yeah, that's just never going to fly, dude. Draper also stated that if he was the chief financial officer of any major organization, he would advise the company to allocate a portion of their portfolio into Bitcoin. According to the BTC proponent, Bitcoin served as a hedge against inflation. <clears throat> Since Tesla's billion-dollar Bitcoin investment, there have been speculations about which company would emulate Tesla's move. Increased institutional interest in Bitcoin is largely responsible for BTC's bullish momentum. Meanwhile, firms like MicroStrategy and Square recently added to their Bitcoin holdings. Apart from pitching Netflix as the next possible Bitcoin investor, the venture capitalist stated that the retail giant Amazon could start accepting Bitcoin. 
adding that people could use the flagship cryptocurrency to purchase products from Amazon. Back in February, there were reports that Amazon was looking to introduce a new project that would enable customers to convert cash into digital currencies. While the project would launch in Mexico, the company did not state what digital assets it would support, although there were speculations that the company may not use popular crypto assets like BTC or Ethereum. While speaking on Bitcoin's price target, Draper said, quote, the, cur the current currency holdings around the world in dollars is about $100 trillion, and Bitcoin's market cap is just reaching a trillion now, so there's no reason it can't go up 100-fold. It's not like it's going to completely replace the dollar. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, man. The dollar seems just too weird to hold right now. Although I think people are going to laugh when they are trying to buy things with dollars in the future. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Tim. The venture capitalist made a prediction earlier in 2020 that the price of Bitcoin would reach $250,000 by the end of 2022 or early in 2023. Well, we'll have to see about that one there, Tim, but <clears throat> it'd be interesting to see Netflix do it. But I'm just, I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm a little not confused, but I'm surprised that he picked Netflix of all the companies. I mean, Apple seems like a better deal or, or Google, but Netflix, I don't know. That's just kind of out of the blue. And I guess it's just because he knows this, the, you know, the Hastings guy, but <clears throat> just, I don't know. It just seemed odd to me. Now, Voltage is bringing a turnkey BTC pay server to users' cloud-based Bitcoin infrastructure. Uh, this one is by Joe Rogers, our good friend over at BitcoinMagazine.com. Today, Bitcoin and Lightning Network infrastructure hosting provider Voltage announced integration with BT or a Bitcoin payment processor BTC Pay Server on its Lightning Node platform. The integration brings an industry leader in facilitating Bitcoin payments to Voltage's turnkey platform so that even relatively non-technical users should be able to easily run their own Lightning Network nodes and facilitate BTC payments all in one place. Quote, we're very excited to make it even easier for anyone to accept Bitcoin payments both on-chain and via the Lightning Network, Voltage CEO Graham Krizik told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, with the release, we've removed virtually all of the complexity to getting started. It's never been easier to accept Bitcoin for your project or business directly to your wallet. For some Bitcoin users, running a physical Bitcoin node might seem daunting, but Voltage provides an option that can make it easier. With its Lightning service, users can pay a sim simple monthly fee and not have to worry about maintaining a physical node. Plus, they get support and management all from a single dashboard. The addition of BTC Pay Server to the Voltage platform adds optionality for users. <clears throat> This might not be for everyone, but for those who do not want to deal with a physical node and want a simpler or a simple user experience, but do want to interact with Bitcoin, this might be the ticket. Okay, that's good news. I like I like the guys over at Voltage. Um, but don't, I don't know, don't sneeze at, at, at running your own node. And, you know, if if for any other reason to run your own node just just to get your feet in the water okay it's not that hard to run your own node yes it is difficult to do the things with the node once you've got it up and running but it you know what's not here's what's not difficult is attaching your blue wallet to your own bitcoin node so that while you're on the go and being mobile and doing what you do with your cell phone 
when you're making a payment through Blue Wallet and you're using the wallet in, you're using, you can have multiple wallets in Blue Wallet. And you can have, you can have main chain wallets and you can have Lightning Network wallets. The Lightning Network, well, all the wallets will connect. Uh, Blue Wallet's designed to connect to your own node. So whenever it is, if you do that and you make a payment with your Blue Wallet, it's your node that's validating the, the transaction. All right, that's not that hard to do, okay? Now, <clears throat> BTC pay server on your own node and integrating that into other things is a bit of a bear, all right? So that's where this voltage thing comes in, but don't let it scare you off of running your own node. It is not that expensive. And honestly, I think everybody should run their own node just if for no other reason than to get your feet wet. And the next step after that is to be able to connect a wallet and have that wallet be how you make payments and understanding that those payments or those transactions are going to be validated not by somebody else's node, but by your node, the one that that you know which version of Bitcoin Core is running. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Don't don't let it scare you off and, and don't let the ease of using voltage um you know uh redirect your attention to not running your own node. I, I think it's good practice for everybody to do that. All right, Bitcoin Senator Lummis is optimistic about crypto tax reform. Senator, uh, and we're talking about Senator Cynthia Lummis, by the way. She's out of Wyoming. This is Decrypt.co's Jeff John Roberts writing this one. Uh, Senator Cynthia Lummis from Wyoming expressed hope on Wednesday that Congress will be able to reform the tax rules governing cryptocurrency, which have been a longtime bugbear for Bitcoin owners in the burgeoning crypto industry. Quote, we're optimistic we can find bipartisan agreement on that issue, said Lummis during a meeting with crypto executives and policymakers on the social media app Clubhouse. The comments from Lummis, who has owned Bitcoin since 2013, came in response <clears throat> to a question about whether Congress will pass a proposed law calling for a de minimis tax exemption for small cryptocurrency transactions. Currently, IRS guidelines stipulates that any minor crypto transactions, such as sending $5 worth of Bitcoin to a friend or using it to buy a cup of coffee, can amount to a capital gains event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to come after you for five bucks, dude. I'm sorry, but whatever. They got better. They got bigger fish to fry. Critics say this rule creates needless tax headaches and discourages innovation by limiting the use of crypto in day-to-day transactions and... While the IRS has become preoccupied with collecting tax on crypto, a question about virtual currency is now at the top of filers' income tax returns. The agency has done little to simplify the process for reporting it. Lemus's interest could help accelerate the passage of crypto tax reform, which has been proposed in bills before the House of Representatives, but never in the Senate. Lummis, whose home state of Wyoming has branded itself as a crypto hub, also pointed to a new financial innovation caucus she is leading with Senator Kirsten Sinema, a Democrat out of Arizona, as evidence of bipartisan interest in the issue. Policy researchers on the clubhouse call cautioned, however, that passage of crypto legislation is unlikely to occur in the near future. The Biden administration and Congress is currently wrangling over weighty issues related to the pandemic and economic stimulus. So crypto taxation, a relatively boutique issue, is unlikely to be a high priority. More broadly, members of the call noted 
that lawmakers are becoming more knowledgeable about cryptocurrency and not only at the federal level. Nathan McCauley, the CEO of crypto storage service Anchorage, said that his company has been speaking with several state governments about adding crypto to their treasuries, a move that would mirror the, what big private sector companies like Tesla and Square have done in recent months. McCauley suggested the state's interest in crypto is related to a search for alternative finance and investing options at a time when bond markets are in a prolonged slump. So there's the bond market comes back to talk to us even, you know, once again here. <clears throat> Kraken CEO says Bitcoin hitting $1 million is very reasonable. Shara Malwa's writing this one for Decrypt.co and says, forget Bitcoin price targets of 100,000 or even 400,000. Jesse Powell, CEO of crypto exchange Kraken predicts Bitcoin may reach as high as $1 million in the next 10 years, according to a recent interview with Bloomberg. Quote, people see it as surpassing gold as a store of value. So, you know, I think a million dollars as a price target within 10 years is very reasonable, Powell said, adding that the young, younger demographics saw it as a better version of gold. Bitcoin has for a long time been popularly or popular Popularly compared with gold, both assets are considered as a hedge against the macro economy due to their finite nature and global recognition. But while the yellow metal has an $11 trillion market cap, Bitcoin is at, at less than a tenth of that at its current $913 million, billion is what they meant, meant to say. They actually wrote million. No, it's $913 billion market cap guy. A, cap, a, a gap that proponents say might eventually be filled. However, gold's not the only end game for Powell. He said that Bitcoin believers see the asset replacing all of the world's fiat currencies and its value would eventually reach infinity after inflation weakened fiat money and more people turn to Bitcoin as a reliable investment. This is what's commonly called hyper-Bitcoinization. <clears throat> And if that were to happen, Powell says Bitcoin will not be measured against the dollar anymore. Quote, you'd measure it against whatever you're, you'd be buying it with, such as planets or solar systems, he said. Despite the seemingly outrageous price target, Powell's not the only one to predict a million dollars or more per Bitcoin in a sentiment that even uh, Hal Finney, one of the asset's earliest known users and developers, shared back in 2011. Finney stated that Bitcoin would reach over $10 million per coin if the wealth of all households in the world flowed into it, but even his bullish prediction underestimated the money printing to occur in the years to come. If you take the latest household money figures into account, his theoretical situation lands each Bitcoin at well over $18 million. Of course, many critics argue that Bitcoin is in a speculative bubble and that its real value is zero. Well, all assets' real value are zero except for food and water, okay, and, and energy, however you get it. Honestly, without that shit, <clears throat> let's see, what is it? Land gives you food, fuel, fiber, and how was it? Food, fuel, fiber, and medicine. And underneath it, you get minerals. But the, the big ones are food, fuel, fiber, and med medication. <clears throat> Those have real intrinsic value. Everything else, everything else, no matter its utility, is not necessary for a human survival on this planet. So everything outside of the, the big five, <clears throat> food, fuel, uh, food, fuel, fiber, medicine, and minerals, outside of that, nothing has real value. I'm just saying, 
I value Bitcoin and so many other people value Bitcoin that I, I think that I'm right in, in valuing Bitcoin. But it's when we get right down to the base, you know, the base needs of what it takes to keep a human alive, that's not part of the big five that, that land gives you. Okay. So I guess you could put land in there as six, but it's a given that if you're getting the big five, you've got land. I'm just, I'm just saying. Anyway, <clears throat> I like Jesse Powell's take on this. It, it, it makes a, a lot of sense. I just wonder why he's so bearish on the time frame. Now, talk about being bearish. China's inner Mongolia is going to stop mining Bitcoin. I kind of call bullshit. I think this is just more China FUD. And how do you, how are you going to prove it? I don't know, but let's see what what it is that the BTC Times has to say here. According to an energy saving plan published by the Inner Mongolian Development and Reform Commission on February the 25th, local authorities will stop all ongoing Bitcoin mining operations and prevent new ones from being established. These new restrictions are meant to reduce local energy usage and will also block other energy-intensive industries from establishing operations in the region. The Inner Mongolia Development and Reform Commission aims to cut the amount of energy consumed per unit of economic growth by 3% compared to last year's levels, among other things, shutting down all local Bitcoin mining operations by the end of April. That was last, or yeah, this, this coming month. The region is one of China's most attractive spots for Bitcoin mining, along with Sichuan and Xinjiang due to low electricity prices. China is a popular location for mining operations. It attracts an estimated 65% of global hash rate, enough to spawn the debunked myth that local authorities can reverse Bitcoin transactions amid regulatory pressure. Chinese miners are starting to look abroad, <laughs> who would have guessed, for places to transfer their operations to. Reports from January suggest that China's Bitcoin miners may be eyeing Sweden and the Nordic countries or even Kazakhstan for their new base of operations. Yeah, that's reg uh, regional and, and you know, uh, governmental and jurisdictional arbitrage at play right there. Uh, it's getting to the point where you can't control the, the population of the world, and I, for one, appreciate that. Okay, so now, <clears throat> is is it going to ha actually happen? Because we got to wait till the end of April before we, uh, you know, I, I don't know. How are they going to tell us? How are they going to prove that they did this thing? I don't know. I, it's, it's bizarre, which is why I think it's just more Chinese FUD on, on Bitcoin, probably to squash the price so more of the Chinese government can buy, you know, can buy Bitcoin. So I don't know, man. It seems weird. But as they do that, people like, you know, the Nordic countries, Kazakhstan, and the rest of the stands are, you know, honestly, all of the stands are like, you know, ripe for being able to take on uh, whatever Bitcoin miners want to move out of China if they actually have to. Um, and the Nordic countries make sense because they're much cooler, but honestly, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting into the higher elevations of the mountains of, of the stands because the whole region is mountainous and higher up you go, the cooler it gets. But they might actually be moving to Kentucky because Kentucky lawmakers approve a Bitcoin miner incentive bill. So while China wants to kick miners out, Kentucky wants miners to move to Kentucky and they're going to pay them to do so. So this is Bitcoin Magazine's, there's no way I can pronounce his name. I am sorry, Aluwapalumi Adejumo. I guess that's how you pronounce it, but I know I butchered it. <clears throat> 
an overwhelming, get this, an overwhelming majority of lawmakers in Kentucky has just approved a bill that seeks to make the state very attractive option for Bitcoin mining operations. The primary bill to receive approval, which is House Bill 230, seeks to remove some tax obligations from Bitcoin miners and is geared towards incentivizing job creation and spurring the growth of the industry. It was passed by a 19 to 2 vote by a committee in the Kentucky House. Quote, the bill's fiscal note estimated its cost to the general fund to start at $1 million per year, the Lexington Herald leader reported. But the full cost after that cannot be determined, the legislative staff wrote, because it is unknown how many of the businesses might choose to locate here to avail avail themselves of this exemption. All right. The bill will now move to the state's upper chamber for review. The bill's sponsors noted in their submission that Kentucky could leverage its low energy rates, plus the abundance of the supply of such energies to cement its position as a national leader in cryptocurrency mining in the United States. The ratification of this bill would mean that commercial Bitcoin miners in Kentucky would enjoy tax exemptions from paying a 6% sales tax and 6% excise tax on tangible personal property, such as mining rigs that is directly used in the process, as well as the electricity used. Though some lawmakers express their reservations about the amount of electricity needed to power these mining activities. The ability to lure more industrial operations, plus the recent growth of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin recently should make this bill a very attractive option. So if you're bailing out of China because they're being idiots, you can always go to Kentucky. Or at least you might be able to go to Kentucky with incentives. It depends on if the if the whole thing gets signed and you know signed into law by the, le- the rest of the legislative body and the, the governor. I I presume the governor has to sign that thing at the end. But you know, Kentucky Figuring it out. Although the question becomes, who are the two idiots on that council that voted against it? Why would you not want any industry to come in? I mean, unless it was just a, like, I don't know, we're creating black holes that may eat the earth. Yeah, I kind of don't want that industry. That that could kind of suck. But Bitcoin mining? Shit, yeah. You're going to want that. You're you're gonna you're gonna not only want that you're gonna want all the ancillary you know industries that that support the main industry of Bitcoin mining to come in as well. Okay, you want people to have data centers that are hosting nodes. You want like BTC Pay Server all like you know type things all over the place. You want computer infrastructure. You want IT professionals. You want all this. This is what you want, especially if you're Kentucky, right? Kentucky's been, been having Jesus, I mean, it's like if I remember right, Kentucky's pension, their their state pension plan for all their state workers is screwed. They are screwed. I was watching something about it the other day. It was like I can't like like I don't know some PBS show or something like that, and their their pension plan is so annihilated at this point that they they moved everybody over to like all all new hires at the state level are all going to for, have to go to 401k plans. There's no there's no such thing as like your your granddaddy's pension, something you'll never see uh, if you're in Kentucky. If you're after it, you know, you're not going to get it. You're going to get a 401k. There it's that bad, all right? 
So in in either event, it, it does look like Kentucky's going to be uh, if they pass this, they're going to be at the forefront of Bitcoin mining in the United States. So with that said, and the bond market's flashing old women in Central Park and running away, let's run the numbers. cnbc.com forward slash futures and commodities. We have West Texas Intermediate Oil up 0.05% and everything, I mean, all this shit's in the red, man. We'll get to it. Uh, So uh, West Texas Intermediate, $61.31 coming into opening. Brent North Sea is down a fraction. I mean, it's like tiny bit. It's $64.05 for a barrel of that. Natural natural gas swinging low, 1.31%. Uh, $2.77 buys you 1,000 cubic feet of that. Uh, shiny metal rocks. Gold is up. Everything else is down. But gold is up only 0.146%. So it's $1,718 for an ounce of gold. Silver swinging low to 1%. It is $26 an ounce. Platinum is swinging. God, it's swing, everything's swinging low. Uh, 1.4% to the downside. Uh, copper is copper got hammered. Oh my God. 4.5% to the downside. Palladium is also down by 0.74%. Indices, everything is in the red. Dow futures down 0.1, S&P futures down 0.22, NASDAQ futures down 0.25, S&P mini down 0.23 of a percent. Let's talk about real money. Uh, Oh, and by the way, bitinfocharts.com, I just discovered that it has dark mode. I'm so happy it has dark mode. I'm so tired of bright white screens. Hey, if you're developing anything, like for like web browser or anything like that, and you're not including a dark mode, I hate you. $49,422 is what price I'm looking at right now. It looks like that's my high as usual, and my low is going to be, actually my high is $49,426. Oh, okay. But my low is at GDAX at $49,282. So there you go. 322,500 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us about 13,500 transactions on average per hour. 542,725 BTC being sent in various to various places in that last 24 hours and it looks like 22,614 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour. 1.68 BTC is the average transaction value while the median transaction value is 0.02 BTC or about $1,000. Block time slightly high, 10 minutes and 13 seconds. 0.9 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, eight uh, or sorry, 128.14 BTC being taken in fees over the last 24 hours. With a 1.1% drop in hash rate, we are back down to 160 exahashes per second. Doge, five cents. God forbid. There are 51,133 transactions waiting for 81 blocks to clear we have $918.1 billion of market capitalization. That means we've captured 8.21% of gold's market cap. And now one Bitcoin buys you 28.5 ounces of gold. 
there are in fact 18,644,448.84 BTC in circulation at this time. And Clark Moody has a price of $49,310. There is 1,109.75 BTC locked up in the Lightning Network and that has a capacity of $54.7 million US on top of 9,271 nodes running 38,481 payment channels. Uh, another bump to the percentage of Tor capacity, we're at 53.7% of the Lightning Network is run over Tor nodes, the number of which is 3,697. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one off with Bitcoin Magazine, Aike Atutubuke. I'm, God, sorry, I'm butchering names again. But the race for the first Bitcoin ETF in the United States is heating up. Yeah, welcome to second or third mover advantage, assholes. Following multiple regulatory filings, we will likely see the first Bitcoin exchange traded fund come to market in the United States soon. Yeah, the Winklevi were wanting one back in 2014-2015, okay? So just saying. In late January, Valkyrie Digital Assets filed for approval of a Bitcoin ETF with the SEC in the hopes of offering the first ever Bitcoin ETFs in the United States following Valkyrie's filing, NYDIG or NYDIG followed suit in February. Then earlier this month, CBOE Global Markets submitted an SEC filing to list and trade shares of VanX, a Bitcoin ETF, a product that VanX has been attempting to offer for years despite repeated rejections from the short-sighted SEC. VanX's latest Bitcoin product under regulatory review is its proposed VanX Bitcoin Trust. <clears throat> Recently, Purpose Investments listed the first Bitcoin ETF approved by North American regulators and saw marked success in its early days. As Bitcoin gains more institutional acceptance, ticking all of the boxes of what makes a credible asset in the process, an ETF which mirrors its price could serve as a window for traditional brokerage investors across the board to gain exposure to Bitcoin from their accounts. As more instruments like these continue to emerge, there will be less isolation between cryptocurrencies and legacy financial instruments. This will aid investors in integrating their digital asset holdings along with other assets in their portfolio. Also, as the likes of PayPal and Robinhood's move to facilitate cryptocurrency transactions coupled with the adoption of the Lightning Network as a solution for scale, all of the fears about Bitcoin's transactions throughput are becoming things of the past. With all of these improvements on the Bitcoin landscape and the rush of recent regulatory filings, a United States Bitcoin ETF appears closer than ever. Yeah, well, wait until the SEC dismisses all of the shit that's on the table so that we can move into fourth and fifth mover advantage. I'm just, I'm, I'm consistently surprised at just how short-sighted the legacy financial system in the United States really is. It's just, it's sad, honestly. Now, uh, again, there, here's more tax talk. Okay, this is going to be kind of interesting. Uh, you might not have to tell the IRS about your Bitcoin. Okay, Robert Stevens tells us more from Decrypt.co. Um, the Internal Revenue Service has clarified that United States taxpayers do not 
have to declare financial interest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies if they only bought crypto using US dollars, it said in a FAQ page. As picked up by crypto tax software company Cointracker, the IRS said that taxpayers do not have to answer yes to the new question on the front page of the 2020 tax mandatory form at any time during 2020, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? The IRS said that if your only transactions involving virtual currency during 2020 were purchases of virtual currency with real currency, you were not required to answer yes to the form 1040 question. The IRS clarified that virtual currencies encompass cryptocurrencies and a real currency is a fiat currency. Oh man, that's sick. For instance, the United States dollar. So if you only used U.S. dollars to buy Bitcoin, you won't have to disclose your crypto interest to the IRS. However, if you used U.S. dollars to buy a U.S. dollar stable coin, a cryptocurrency representing a U.S. dollar, and then use that stable coin to buy Bitcoin, then you would have to check yes to the 1040 crypto question since you're buying a cryptocurrency with a cryptocurrency. Shehan Chandraskara Head of tax strategy at Cointracker told Decrypt that the clarification will reduce the number of people that unnecessarily tick yes to the question. Yeah, well, that's if they read this. And he would have forgiven taxpayers for over-reporting. It wasn't super obvious to anybody, he said, and a lot of people were confused because the IRS was not very clear in terms of giving instructions on how to answer this question. The question appeared on the mandatory tax form for the first time in the tax form's history and on the front page, no less, making it mandatory. The clarification could be good news for privacy advocates, he said. A taxpayer can opt out of contributing to the IRS's growing database of U.S. crypto hodlers. They're explicitly saying that if you're just purchasing crypto using U.S. dollars, we don't have to know about you, said Chandraskara. They're creating a huge blind spot, he said, since lots of people only buy Bitcoin on Coinbase for USD and HODL for the long haul. However, since crypto companies must keep records of the United States dollar transactions to prevent money laundering, mm-hmm. sure, that's that's why. Only buying crypto with US dollars isn't ideal for going off the grid. It should also be noted that this is not a way out of paying capital gains taxes on cryptocurrencies if a cryptocurrency is sold for a, and they have it in quotes, real currency. Then taxpayers must recognize any capital gain or loss on the sale, wrote the IRS in another response to its FAQ. And if a hodler does that, then they'd have to check yes on the tax form anyway. So I hope that clears up what's going on. Um, hopefully Senator Loomis uh, or Lummis will uh, be able to push through some reforms on uh, for tax guidance on small purchases. Like, you know, anything under $3,000 is just like me making a payment. Uh, Like, I don't know, buying like a ticket to a conference or a plane ticket or something like that. Uh, That would be, that would be nice. Uh, Honestly, I don't think they should be having their foot in anything, but hey, regulators going to regulate whatever it is they looks like they can regulate. I'm just saying. Iran considers the use of Bitcoin mining to avoid sanctions. You know, first it was just using Bitcoin itself and now they're like, shit, I want some of that KYC free goodness. All right. Okay. This is Darius Z, by the way, writing for BTC Times. 
Iran should engage in large-scale Bitcoin mining and could use <clears throat> digital assets to circumvent international sanctions, according to the research arm of the Iranian president's office. Local news outlet IranWire reported on March the 2nd that the Iranian Presidential Center for Strategic Studies has published a research report suggesting that the country should leverage Bitcoin and other digital assets. The report explains that cryptocurrency mining could help the country circumvent sanctions. Quote, as the newly extracted Bitcoins are not easily traceable, despite the pressure of sanctions on the country, domestic economic actors can use newly extracted cryptocurrencies, which are preferable to existing Bitcoins on international exchanges, end quote. The report estimates <clears throat> that digital asset mining could earn the Iranian government $2 million per day and $700 million in a year. Bitcoin mining fees paid by users when sending on-chain transactions could allegedly net another $22 million per year. The report also suggests that establishing cryptocurrency mining facilities would help increase Iranian employment rates and estimates the, that mining facilities could create nine jobs per megawatt of electricity consumption. Nine jobs? I don't know, man. It seems a little much. Quote, if large mining firms or farms are established, the need to employ manpower for monitoring and repair, security, electrical engineers, and technical staff related to hardware and software equipment will increase, which leads to more job opportunities in other sectors, end quote. The research report also states that a regulated crypto industry would allow Iran to decrease the amount of foreign currency that leaves the country by allowing the country's citizens to directly purchase digital assets using local fiat currency instead of trading on a foreign exchange. A government-backed Bitcoin industry would also reportedly enable Iran to offer the technical and engineering services needed for cryptocurrency mining and even obtain investment from abroad while decreasing its reliance on foreign currencies. The report follows a recent crackdown on Bitcoin mining operations after blackouts in Tehran. I didn't even hear about that one. So Bitcoin mining blacked out Tehran? That's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, well, here's what's not funny is that Arthur Hayes may may give up the ghost and surrender to the United States authorities. Uh, this one is written by Jeff Benson from Decrypt.co with the title BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes Negotiating Surrender to U.S. Authorities. According to court documents shared with cryptocurrency publication The Block, BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes could surrender to U.S. authorities in Hawaii next month. Hayes and BitMEX owners, uh, co-owners Greg Dwyer and Ben Dalo, as well as head of business development Greg Dwyer, were charged in, of course, you said it twice, were charged in October with willfully failing to establish, implement, and maintain an adequate anti-money laundering program for the cryptocurrency derivatives exchange. While Reed has already been arrested, the other three men are at large. According to court transcripts from a February 9th hearing, Hayes is in Singapore, Dwyer's Twitter account lists his location as Bermuda. Dalo is a British national. With regards to Hayes, Assistant U.S. Attorney Jessica Greenwood told the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of New York, quote, we, with respect to Defendant Hayes, have discussed a surrender date of April the 6th, 2021 in Hawaii. Hayes would then appear virtually before a judge. 
Delo too, or Delo. It's D-E-L-O, so Delo, I guess. Delo too seems prepared to turn himself in and appear before a judge shortly thereafter. Quote, he is planning, or at least counsel has represented that he is planning, to appear in New York, Greenwood told the court. We are working with the FBI and Border Patrol to obtain immigration authorization for him to be permitted to come here, end quote. Dwyer is the wild card. According to prosecutors, we have also been in discussions with his counsel about obtaining his appearance. We were unable to negotiate a voluntary surrender, so we have begun extradition proceedings against him in Bermuda, end quote. Despite its founders' legal troubles, BitMEX remains one of the most popular exchanges for crypto derivatives, according to data from Nomics. It recorded over $127 billion in volume over the last month, twice as much as U.S.-based rival Kraken and only slightly less than Coinbase Pro. <clears throat> so, court troubles for Arthur Hayes. I honestly like the thought of Arthur Hayes like hiding out in the back, you know, in the badlands of New Mexico, wearing a cowboy hat and drinking coffee out of a, you know, out of one of those enameled coffee mugs, sitting around a campfire. <clears throat> There's something romantic about it, right? He's, he's on the run, bro. He's Arthur Hayes is on the lamb. I don't know. I like Arthur Hayes. I know a lot of people don't. Probably because you used 100x leverage on BitMEX and got wrecked. Don't blame Arthur for that. Blame yourself. How to buy Bitcoin at an 80% premium from Michael Saylor. All right, this is an opinion piece, so buckle up. It's also from Coindesk, so Lawrence Lewitton is going to tell us more about it. Few people have captured the imagination of the cryptocurrency markets quite like MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor, a guest on Wednesday morning's first mover on Coindesk TV. His company, Purchases of Bitcoin, first announced in August, validated a key narrative driving the current bull market. The institutions were joining the fray. Uh, Companies fitting crypto's definition of an institution could be far more modest in size and commercial rather than financial in mission than Wall Street's definition. It took a couple of months more of Bitcoin prices languishing around $10,000 level before really taking off in the final quarter of 2020. But after that, it hasn't looked back. Well, at least not yet. MicroStrategy series of Bitcoin purchases have been a triumph so far. As Saylor noted in a recent tweet, the company has thus far spent $2.186 billion to buy a total of 90,859 BTC. That puts its average cost at $24,063 per coin. At current prices, MicroStrategy's Bitcoin was worth $4.4 billion as of March 2nd. So over a basically 100... A hundred percent gain there. A $2.2 billion gain in value for the asset on the balance sheet of a company that has been worth around $1 billion for the prior three years is usually considered a good thing. Usually. Yet, it should be noted that while MicroStrategy bought Bitcoin at $24,000, which now looks like a bargain, it's a different story for anyone buying MSTR stock right now. The company's market cap is now about $7.2 billion, and as of March 2nd, $4.4 billion of its assets were in Bitcoin. Around the time it first announced its Bitcoin buys, MicroStrategy's market cap was just $1.3 billion. To buy all of that Bitcoin it now owns, the company at first used some cash 
somewhere to the tune of around $425 million. But in recent months, it has issued a total of $1.7 billion in convertible notes that, if turned to equity, could add a couple of million shares to the nearly $10 million or 10 million shares already outstanding. But that's another discussion. Doing some paper napkin math, adding the value of the Bitcoin and the underlying company while subtracting the debt and the cash spent to avoid double counting, the sum is what uh, $3.575 billion, rounding that up to $3.6 billion, and it's still just half of the current market cap. The remaining $3.6 billion needed to get to $7.2 billion valuation can be explained as, well, magic. At least to some investors buying the stock right now, that is. Otherwise, that $3.6 billion premium is a bet on value and has yet to be unlocked. It's a bet that Michael Saylor and the rest of management is able to do uh, incredible things with the company, like buy a lot of Bitcoin before everybody else does. So far, it's been a profitable bet for those who were lucky enough to get in at the right time. MicroStrategy shares have significantly outperformed Bitcoin's price since the start of September. Indeed, the argument made for buying MicroStrategy stock right now is that it is one of the few ways for institutional investors otherwise barred from getting into Bitcoin because of regulatory issues such as no Bitcoin exchange traded fund to gain exposure to Bitcoin. However, it's a very, very expensive way to do it. That's because paying a $3.6 billion premium for MicroStrategy's leveraged Bitcoin hoard of $4.4 billion works out to roughly $88,000 per Bitcoin, more than triple the $24,063 the company paid to acquire it over the past few months. Remember, buying MicroStrategy shares now isn't the same as buying shares back in August. Thus, if anyone is buying MicroStrategy's stock solely for the Bitcoin play, that person or institution would be paying nearly double for the Bitcoin and getting a flatlining stock. Will that premium still be there should a Gary Gensler-led Securities and Exchange Commission decide to approve a Bitcoin ETF? Well, who knows? Weirder things have happened. The stock may well continue to rally. In this environment, anything can happen. If shares in a declining video game retailer can skyrocket, what's to stop investors from wanting to pay double for Bitcoin? I think this is a short-sighted way to look at MicroStrategy. Because it's like they don't mention anything about what MicroStrategy has done over the last 30 years to weather every single storm that it's weathered. Okay, it weathered the dot-com bubble. It's weathered, you know, the uh, uh, September 11th, 2001 financial fallout. It weathered 2008 financial fallout. It's weathering the bond. It, well, it, now it's, it's, it's got Bitcoin, so it's a different story. But it's like, it, it's like the only thing that it's done for its entire existence was to buy Bitcoin, and that's not true. All right, MicroStrategy is a good, solid company. How do I know? It's been around for 30 years and has survived multiple financial catastrophes. How, how do you have a shitty company that survives and, and, and books profit, by the way, not just survives, but it's been booking profit for a long time. Now, just because it's got into Bitcoin, we forget about all of the things that Michael Saylor and, and MicroStrategy has done in the past. We forget about its entire suite of, uh, of digital you know, what was, uh, was marketing tools and like investigatory tools and you know, the ability to look at um, 
there's a lot of people that pay for the MicroStrategy suite of products to basically analyze what's going on with their business. Shit, grocery stores use it to analyze their front end data, for God's sakes. I mean, it's like it can be used anywhere. It's a good suite of products. MicroStrategy isn't just about Bitcoin. However, the story does bring home a, a fact. If you're buying MicroStrategy solely for Bitcoin exposure, then you should probably go somewhere else except that you kind of can't in the United States because we don't have an ETF as the story described. Again, for, are we gonna end up in, in third, fourth, fifth, sixth mover advantage at this point? Canada ate our lunch. I mean, I like Canadians, they're nice people. I, I kind of like Canada, but the draconian shit that's going on up there, I was really surprised that an ETF was actually able to happen and they beat the living pants off of the United States in doing so. So congratulations, SEC and all you idiots over in Wall Street uh, and financial people in Washington, D.C. for not being able to see the writing on the wall. Maybe you'll see it this year. I don't know. Chances are good that you won't. Uh, last up here is uh, EOS creator Scam Larimer. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Dan Larimer reveals next big project, Clarion. So if you haven't been scammed yet by Dan Larimer, Here's your chance to get scammed by Dan Larimer. Tim Copeland's going to tell us about it from Decrypt.co. <clears throat> Blockchain developer Dan Larimer has announced his next scam a project called Clarion. Similar to many of his previous projects, Clarion will be focused on decentralized networking, enable people, uh, enabling people to communicate with, without relying on trusted third parties. Larimer is known for creating multiple prominent blockchain products. Uh, in 2013, he built BitShares as a way of exchanging fiat money for cryptocurrency. In 2016, he founded Steam, a decentralized content network, which later suffered from a blockchain war itself, evolving into Hive. And in 2017, he created blockchain platform EOS, which raised $5 billion in the world's biggest ICO. And now he's starting anew because apparently he can't get enough money. Quote, Clarion OS is just getting started and is in the very early design stage. We are assembling a team of developers to build the first prototypes, wrote, wrote Larimer on coding community GitHub. Quote, this project will be developing in, in the open and welcomes contributions from anyone interested in restoring the internet to the level of logical decentralization that was intended before big tech locked us into their services and stopped producing tools that empower people, he added. The core idea behind the Clarion protocol is that it enables people to send messages to each other in various ways. Oh, I'm so excited. This will include delayed communication like email and immediate communication like normal messaging. It will also support group chats and let one person send messages to large groups of people. I don't know how this is any different than several other products that are not captured by big tech. Okay, this is this is scam Larimer wanting more of your money. That's all this is. Though he's focused on the same ultimate goal as in the past, trying to disrupt Facebook and Twitter, this project will be a bit different. No, it won't. Rather than build another blockchain, Clarion will be more of an underlying messaging protocol similar to the interplanetary file system on which decrypt cross-post all of our stories. The focus on Clarion will be to move information around as opposed to moving value, which is how a blockchain typically works. As a result, 
It is less important to ensure that everything is in the right order. Essential for Bitcoin to stop people from sending their coins twice. So it won't need the same complicated consensus mechanism that blockchains use, such as mining coins. This makes it much more scammable, I mean scalable, and frees it from many constraints that typical blockchains have. But the project will still use cryptography as blockchains do. This means each user will have their own cryptographic entity controlled by a set of private keys that identify who they are. This will prevent bad actors from easily impersonating people as bots on Twitter do daily. But it does mean that if someone steals someone else's private keys, they uh, could steal their identity, at least through this protocol or anything built on top of it. Okay, so honestly, we don't need to get in any farther than that because they go into the story of EOS. And if you don't know the story of EOS, then you need you do need to go back and read that one. Uh, but there's too much in it to nutshell in the two paragraphs that they, they have on it in this story. So honestly, I don't see anything different here <clears throat> that Dan Larimer hasn't tried in the past, like at all. I don't believe, I mean, we've got several messaging systems that that are either encrypted end-to-end, relatively decentralized. I don't need Dan Larimer's products to do this, all right? And everything he touches ends up being a shit show. And it's just a scam for him to get more money. I, I, if I remember right, Dan Larimer has a shit ton of XRP that he keeps dumping on people because XRP was part of his resume as well. I'm pretty sure that that's in fact the case. In either event, please, if you want to save your money and just either buy Bitcoin or don't buy anything, but especially... Don't buy anything Dan Larimer is trying to sell you. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. My wife stormed into the pub last night as me and the boys were downing shots of tequila. You're coming home now, she screamed. No, I'm not, I laughed. She said... I'm talking to the kids. Ah, uh, yeah. Having beer with your dad or shots of tequila, whichever. Um, something I, I, I miss. I miss having, having beers with my dad. That, that was always something that I looked forward to. All right, guys, it is, we're 57 minutes in, so I'm going to go ahead and end it now. Be safe. If you want to help me out with the podcast, um, you know, tell your friends about it, share it around the horn, uh, like, subscribe, do all the things. But the most, the, the most thing that is, or the thing that is the most important, if you can give me a couple of minutes of your time, go over to the podcast on iTunes and give me a five-star review. If you do that, it really helps the metrics on, uh, on the iTunes site, and I would appreciate it. And I understand that these are like a few minutes that you'll never get back uh, ever again in your life. Uh, they're the minutes that you would actually be giving to me, and they are appreciated. I, and I, I would be, well, I would appreciate it if you were to do that, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.